Uh, welcome in, listeners, to another episode of the Busby Babe podcast. I am your host, Colin Dams, uh, joined by a full round table of Nathan Heinschel, Polly Questel, and Matt Barnes. How is it going, boys? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm myself good. Yep. My demeanor with the team is a different thing, but I'm doing well. How are you guys? <laughs> I, I don't know why everybody's down. I got uh, Fabrizio Romano to respond to a tweet, uh, a Fleetwood Mac meme, so I'm chilling. Wait, did you really? I don't have tw- I don't have Twitter, so I need to. I still need to get that. Yeah, um, okay, it's considered. I, I got. Uh, I stayed off Twitter today for my own sake, and uh, uh, I I did check in at one point to see that. Some people had sent me vile ass tweets because I don't I don't know because they have nothing better to do. Because, because our fans hey man, that's the way this world is, especially the like 2020 dude. People are just out to get you for like no reason. Yeah, but uh, it's all good because we're about. It's because I called our fan base the worst, and they decided to prove because sometimes we right. are. We're pretty we're pretty toxic, but if I could uh back up that assertion we we have one of the worst fan bases it's gross i don't think it's one of the worst i'm gonna i'm actually gonna just say sports fans really yep. giving off some bad vibes uh a lot of the time especially on the bird yeah. yeah but i think we're worse now i can't speak for like real madrid because i don't speak spanish so i can't read their tweets no they're uh, actually they're actually the worst. <laughs> you're bad but like when it comes to the England to the English they, fans, we like to say that Arsenal and Chelsea fans are the worst, but like it's us. You know, we we, we, used, we used to be arrogant because we were so arrogant because we had the right to be because we won, and now we're just unbearable. So congrats to United fans. We have never given up the number one spot in that table. I, I mean, mean let's it, be real, Arsenal's the same. This just been them for longer. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that just doesn't make them worse. It, like I don't, I don't know. Conspiracy hats on. I bet you some of these bigger, quote unquote, like United fan accounts, they're run by like fans of other teams. Oh, I unfortunately, I unfortunately am like half a percent tapped into that community now. Like and I and it's not by choice. Like half, it's not by choice, and I don't like it. And I really try to like I very much try to limit the accounts I follow. And when I follow someone who likes a lot of these fan accounts, I literally will go into my Twitter settings and be like, "Don't show me tweets that this person likes," um, because I don't want to see all these fan fan accounts. But I I am tapped in enough to know that like a week ago, a week or two ago a story broke that one of these big, massive accounts with tens of thousands of followers is run by a, a city fan. Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, a lot of them are also like 16 year old kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, getting into, uh, the thick of it and the, uh, cause as to the effect of all this mayhem on the bird, uh, RB Leipzig, beat us 3-2 in the final day of the Champions League group stage and have sent us, or maybe we've sent ourselves, to the Europa League for another season. And uh, vibes are not good right now. Uh, they got out to a 2-0 lead pretty quickly, um, and Manchester United put in some work to try and get back into it. 
uh, got close a couple times, but the execution was not there. And then a third goal, seemingly putting the final nail in the coffin before a couple of goals in the 80th and 82nd minute uh, gave us just enough hope to make it heartbreaking when we did not complete the comeback uh, by the time of the final whistle. We just left ourselves so, too much to do. I, I was promised there was yeah, a column model, so I'm waiting for it. Yeah, where's the column model on? You've been, you've been texting about it all day. Yeah. You teased it, now you have to come through with it. LeBron, so, we've cleared the lane. We've cleared so the lane. Here's where I'm at. I don't think that this is the end for Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, and I don't think that it should be the end for Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. I agree. But I do think that this is reflective of things that we have seen in the past during his tender uh, tenure. I think it seems like we are constantly playing from behind. And it, it, it was like that from day one, and that wasn't his fault. Because, you know, he's been handed the squad, and it's full of talent, but for the most part, he's had to deal with a lot of, you know, we've called it dead weight. He's been going through squad restructuring and starting out in the league position that we were in, we were chasing top four. We didn't get it, but we did good enough, you know, to say that it was a sign of progress last season, another horrible start to the season. And then we were playing from behind. We did enough to get, you know, finished third signs of progress. Ollie is building something with this team and I'm to the point now where I don't really understand the Ollie out re- reaction because of the evidence that they use that he is not a manager cut out for this. Because we wouldn't be in these positions if he was, <laughs> if, if he wasn't good enough. You know, like we wouldn't be in these positions of constantly playing for things if he wasn't a good manager or if we didn't have a good team with good players. Like, Everything is here, and we've seen that things are in place for something to go forward. But we keep seeing these games. I mean, we saw Wolves the first season. You know, that was a point in the season where we'd lost a lot of players to injuries, so we understand why we didn't win the FA Cup that year. But it happened again with Chelsea last year. You know, we come out, we're flat-footed, we concede ugly goals, we play an ugly game, and we lose. And, you know, it's happened three games in the Champions League. One of them is pretty much an unexplainable loss. The other two, you could probably say that the other team was, you know, of the quality that you can expect that from them, but they were still games where we put ourselves in a position to execute and we didn't. I don't think that it is all on Ollie or all on the players. Obviously it's a little bit of everything, but we need to start seeing more. I think winning a trophy would obviously be nice, but I think continuing to build off of a nice recent run of form in the league would be the best place to start. And the next game in the league is the Manchester Derby against the city side that we know we can beat, whether we're at full strength or we're shorthanded. So, yeah, I agree. So, all right. So I, I probably itching, dude. (laughs) I I like what you said, especially about how this is like basically, conducive to what this team is like at the, at the very beginning or or it's a byproduct of what we've seen so far and i think that's also because we overrate the team uh at, at an individual level we overrate a lot of the players and i i think this is a good team not a great team and we have some good players but we also have some players that are good that maybe don't fit the system 
or maybe don't fit with each other. And that's, that can be a problem. If, you know, if, if Mata, Van de Beek, and Bruno, we saw them play one game together, the three of them, and it was a disaster against Istanbul. If the three of them can't play together, that's a problem because then it's not really depth. If somebody gets hurt and like you go, well, Van de Beek's the next man up, but we can't play him here. It's not really depth. You, you look at the team where they were, the last, you know, the Ali stuff, it always comes down to the manager and, and like people have done, you know, people who are smarter than us and get paid more money than us have done studies and they have found that, you know, the manager only accounts for about 11% of how good a team is, if that much. It, it's really like a minuscule number. And you look at this team under, you know, under Jose, what, they won 70 points. And then a year later, they won 81. But expected points had them closer to 66, 68. The next year, 66 points. Expected points had them around there. The next year, 66 points again. Expected points had them at 70. So that was last year they obviously underachieved, like a little bit compared to the underlying numbers. So the managers, both of them, are getting basically the same production out of this team. Like, and, and you look at, I think the person that personifies the most, there's two people that kind of personify this. You know, Scott McTominay is the one that I've always harped on. He has his, he has his moments, but week in, week out, He's inconsistent. He's not a bad player. He's a good player. But he's not a great player. Great players are good week in, week out with the one-off bad game. Not okay, okay, bad, okay, really good, okay. And the other one is Marcus Rashford. We want Marcus Rashford to be a superstar because he's been this budding star forever. But you look at it and goals, like when you take his goals per 90 – it's remarkably consistent year after year after year. And he's been in the league for five years now. It's now, you know, you don't really make the leap anymore. He, he got in a little bit better under Ali and then a little bit better last year. And maybe he gets a little bit better this year. It's not off to a great start, but maybe he gets a little bit better this year. But you can't really expect the jump to superstardom anymore. He's 20. He's going to be 23. Like, that's just. Certainly, it's it's not impossible. It's possible. It, it happens very rarely, maybe a 1% chance. The, the more likely factor is, based on thousands of players, is he is who he is, which is a good player, not a great one. And mm. he has <clears throat> great games, but week in, week out, there are just games where he disappears. And to expect him to be able to lead the team is unrealistic. And I think that's where we we were on yesterday is you've got Marcus Rashford leading, you know, playing in a front two with Mason Greenwood, who's another one. Mason Greenwood is a potential superstar, but he's not there yet to like today, you know, maybe when he's 21, he'll be a, he'll be the star we hope he becomes. But today at 19, he's not. And he can chime in with a brilliant, like with a massive goal for you and a brilliant play. But we're not, he's not at the point now where you can rely on him to do that. So yesterday was a culmination of a lot of things. Like I thought, I thought all he got our social got his tactics completely wrong because he put, you know, as a pair, Matic and McTominay don't work. We know that. So 
putting them in a midfield two wasn't going to help. You know, when you play with a back three, you need your midfield to control the possession and control the middle so that your wingbacks could push up. If they can't do that, then your wingbacks have to drop back and suddenly you're playing with a back five. And you knew that was going to happen with Matic McTominay. Rashford and Greenwood playing as split forwards. That's not their game. They don't play well doing that. So, like, he didn't put his players in a place where they can where they can be at their best. And that's on him. But none of the players showed up either. And that was summarized by Bruno Fernandes four minutes into the game getting a yellow card for dissent. And three minutes later, the ref going to Bruno and saying, you got to calm down. I also don't think that I also think the ref really didn't take care, like didn't he didn't set a pace to the game. Like he started throwing out yellows towards the end of the second half or the first half. And I think he, he lost control of the game really Matt, early. I Matt, think that you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. And he also went over, he, he went over to Ollie Solskjaer right before halftime and told him, you got to get your team in line, which was a move. Like the ref was trying to be the, the star of the show. But at yeah, the same no, that was dumb. Like the, like there were straight up challenges. Like he was trying to make it like we were individually making fouls that were bad, which we were. But Leipzig were also making really bad challenges, and I think I think we're unlucky there. But you're 100%. That's, that's not something that's not something you can plan for though. That, like, no, no, that no, no, is, no, it's not. It's not. The, the issue was the back. issue was it was clear when when he went to Bruno the second time and he said you got to calm down. You could see it on Bruno's face. He was thinking about the ref. The ref was in his head, and he wasn't focused on the game. And that, when your leader is, his head's not in it like that, that's going to trickle down to the rest of the team. And, I mean, we saw Bruno kind of click on in the second half, and he, you know, was a couple inches away from equal, or, you know, potentially starting the comeback earlier than it did. And we're continuously reliant on Bruno Fernandez to be that guy. But I don't think this shape suited the attack. And I agree, the attackers should have been doing more, and we probably should have been back in this game earlier than we were. But the shape, the shape of the I mean, team. We had a situation, set up we had a situation for where Mason Greenwood just didn't give the ball to a wide open Marcus Rashford. Right, and, and he, the reason for that is because he doesn't use his right foot. He has no right foot, and mm. out, he can finish with his right foot. He could finish with his right foot outside the box. He does not use his right foot at all. And it really, it really hampers his game, especially when he plays on the right side. Then we had a situation later where, where Rashford could have given an easy ball to a wide open Greenwood, would have put it on his left in the box for a shot. And Rashford didn't do it. He took it himself to be selfish and, and took a shot. And Jim Beglin, the commentator was just like, you know, they're not making it easy for them. Like they're, they're working against themselves because you almost saw it there, how Rashford was like, it's my turn to be selfish. And, and then later, uh, McTominay plays Rashford in clean through and, and yeah, he steps over the ball at one point, but he still had a chance to just put that ball on his left, take a touch body off the defender and, and shoot with his left foot. And he did a step over to try to get on his right because Rashford can't use his left foot. And like, these are the things it's, they, they both have, such obvious limitations to their game that they're not players that'll lead you. And Anthony Martial has, you know, there's always a debate about him and he's got limitations to his game. And that's why last January I was like, give me your only Holland. I need a striker. Like Martial's not going to be the guy long-term. Yeah. And when there was no long-term striker and, and they, they, they did make a play for Timo Werner. Solskjaer met him in Berlin last February. Um, 
during the winter, uh, I think it was during the winter break, he went and met Timo Werner. Like, he's, he was making, like, Solskjaer's noticed these things, but the, the team haven't addressed them. So he's still trying to make do with, with what he's got, and, and what he's got is essentially a 66, 70. Uh, this year they're playing at a 72-point pace. 66, 72-point team. And when you look at that, when people say, oh, they finished third last year, but, the, you know, that's because the league stunk. Okay, but maybe that's what they are. And if, if, if they only finished third when in a regular year, they should have finished fifth, then maybe they don't belong to be qualifying in a Champions League group because maybe they aren't good enough to do that. And, mm. and I think we have to look at the squad and, and, and think that because we've wanted Rashford and Martial to blossom into these superstars. And in which case, we haven't signed a left winger in five years. We haven't signed a right winger in God knows how long. You know, we signed a 35-year-old or 30-something-year-old striker a couple years ago for a year, replaced who didn't fit, uh, replaced him a year later with a 25-year-old who wasn't a perfect fit, and we haven't signed a striker since. So, like, there's just so many different holes in the squad that it's it's hard to plug them all in. And, and also just maybe all these players who we're like, oh, they are young and developing and they could be superstars. Some of them we have to acknowledge are not going to become superstars. And some of them we have to be like, okay, but they're not superstars right now. And therefore we can't expect them to be. Nathan, you've been quiet. Are you <laughs> well, playing Red Dead? <laughs> no, I just, I, you know, I keep the, I keep the paint clear. So that way our, uh, our point guards can charge in and get the dunk. Um, not to another sports on a soccer podcast here. Bro, I literally told this guy about our podcast, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. We make a bunch of American sports references, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but no, to, to Polly's point about team building, um, I don't know. What is this, like, probably the 19th time that we're going to reiterate ourselves on this? But, like, yeah. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't know where these expectations come from. I think it's because people are just expecting – Manchester United to just immediately find the form that they had under, yep. I don't know, pick an Alex Ferguson team. And the problem is, is you cannot build a house on a shitty foundation. House collapses. Exactly. 100%. Guess what? 100%. We've watched that happen in the last seven years. We, we bought, you know, a, a couple guys that we thought were going to be it. And then they didn't. And you also didn't have the surrounding players. And it really and was, wasn't it. And we were adding to the foundation that was shitty. Like, Remember, the 2013 team was god-awful. Robin Van Persie put them on his back and dragged them to a title. Yeah, and so, I mean, we're in that position right now. We've watched it with the way Ollie's making his signings. He wanted to fix his defense first. He's hired a couple, or he's brought in a couple guys. Um, yesterday was not a particularly great example of talking about how those guys are playing for him right now, but in the grand scope of things and keeping it relative, they've been good defensive signings. Um, he's brought in two midfielders that we are expecting to be you know, one is obviously already playing well and another guy who we're watching get slowly bled into the squad, but he's not been a poor player when he's come in. I think Donnie Van de Beek's going to be pretty good for us, but we need to continue just building the squad. And so now it's like, all right, we brought in Edinson Cavani, who's a stopgap forward. Once again, we are mm-hmm. finding ourselves in one of the most important positions in the game, bringing in a guy who's not our long-term person yet and so it's like years old and as soon as we played him three times in a week his hamstring gave out exactly so we're like in this situation where with with the way the money situation is the way we keep crashing in and out of the champions league it's hurting our revenues COVID happened that hurt our revenues 
We had um, a fucked up wage salary that hurt our revenue. Um, right now, it's like we're we're just kind of stuck in the mud, and you have to it's you can't just like pull it out. It's it's slow gains right now. And what Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer has successfully done is put us in situations where it's like made the expectations so unbelievably unrealistic for what this team is actually capable of. I mean, we were kind of throwing dirt on them at one point last year, too. Let's not forget that. And they found a way, you know, both tactically, personnel-wise, they played well. They took advantage of the situation that was at hand. But as Paulie said, we weren't the third-best team in the Premier League last year, but we certainly played like it when we needed to. So it's we we're constantly recycling this team. We are going through peaks and valleys, and eventually they will have to find consistency. And maybe we go through another transfer window and then say, okay, Ollie, now this is the year you have to win it. You know, you got to bring something in, you know, so that way we're not in that Pochettino situation. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we can sit there and talk about all these other guys we can bring in, but let's face it, what manager is coming in right now, taking over for Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer and turning this team into any better than what it is right now. Right, that's exactly it. There's a couple of things that you have to look at. Other than maybe Big Sam, maybe we give up less goals under Big (laughs) Sam. There's a couple of things you have to look at. Is is one is there's the notion that like, all right, Solskjaer's the guy before the guy. And I don't, and you know, he's doing a good job rebuilding, but I don't think he can take us, you know, I don't think we're going to win with him. And it's like, okay, that's a 2022 problem. Yeah, I don't think we'll, yeah, I don't think we'll get to the point where we can see Ali succeed, even if he could. Right. Like, but yeah. I mean, if that's your if that's your argument, that's a 2022 problem because you have to yeah. let him build the team yeah, first and yeah. then and then show that he can't win with them. Yeah. We're not um, even going to two year if, if you make yet, a, if you make a decision, now. if you if you make a decision based on a 2022 problem now in 2020, then you're just creating a new problem in 2020 and you're probably going to have a similar problem in 2022. The the other thing. Oh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> Matt, start talking and I'll cut you off. When all I'm right. Ready. All right. Cool. I got you. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, no, I, I do think that the unfortunate thing is, is, and this is my opinion, but I think that all of the alley outers or I'd say a large portion of them are, they want Pochettino. Okay. So let's say we fire all Let's say we get Pochettino. I think they, all Pochettino come, I think they are then, the way they are what? because they're like, mad that Pochettino didn't get the job. Do what? I think they are the way they are because they're mad that Pochettino didn't end up oh, yeah. getting the job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. My point why, is Why didn't you quit your job at another Premier League team and come to us immediately? <laughs> you selfish well, even man. That, it, just, it looked like Ali was going to be Sorry. here for six months and then Pop was going to get the job. Guys, hold on. <laughs> Matt, continue. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the problem is uh, I'm going to try to bring what everybody said kind of together. Like on what Nathan was saying, um, so we can we like revenue that is an issue, like it, it's a huge issue. But as fans, that's not something that we should care about. To be completely fair, like yes, COVID sucks, and yes, our revenue has gone down, and yes, I can understand a little bit why we haven't made certain signings. Maybe not Sancho. The Sancho was always like we needed to get him, but. I mean, when you, I said this when Jose left, or when Jose got fired. I still don't think that Jose got the full support. Like, I I hate it, and did I want Jose at the club? No way. But, like, 
The dude wanted Parasitch. Everybody in the world knew that he wanted Parasitch. And Parasitch is not expensive. Like, even if he's not the most glamorous player, get the player that the, the coach wants. Get the they player the, the money. manager wants. They didn't, have, like, they didn't have the money. Man, I'm... We didn't have the money. They, they, I, they didn't have the money. They didn't have the money because they spent so much in the last two years and they didn't bring in as much. Like that was the whole thing is that the is that the fees that they were that they were paying for players were rising exponentially higher than their revenues. And it was unsustainable. And they they actually had to cook their books. And basically they had closed the Fred and Mm. Dunlop deals early, way earlier than they actually announced them so that they counted for the year before because they had to get because they couldn't put them on the books for 2018-19. Because accounting-wise, because of financial fair play, they did not have any flexibility or leeway to spend more money. All right, that's oh, fair. That sounds kind that, of sketchy. Which is why, which is why European that, band. which is why the Parasitch thing, the Parasitch thing required it, them to sell Martial, and and that's when the club stepped in and said, "We're not selling Martial." That's, that's yeah, no, that's. That's fine. I wasn't trying to make a whole tangent on Parasitch. All right, I'm wrong about Parasitch, okay? My, my point, okay, I'm trying to eventually get to this big point, and I'm just going to get straight to it, is that we can change a coach every couple years. But what people don't realize is, and I, I've told this to Colin a million times, okay, this the first manager that comes in, oh, I don't want this player. Oh, I want that player. I want that player. Like, it's going to keep happening. And if you change managers, it's going to happen again. You change managers, it's going to happen again. Like, it's going to happen no matter what. And what people realize is that you've just got to suck it up. Like, like, like the thing is, like, we were talking about, we were so used to the success of Sir Alex Ferguson. But guess what? We haven't been there. People just need to wake up and be patient. I mean, I, I hate, I hate Liverpool with a passion. And I hate comparing ourselves to Liverpool. But were they, was Klopp, like, crazy successful for the first couple years? No, he wasn't. They gave him a little bit of time. Granted, like, they had to do it. I'm not going to win right away. Exactly. And they, like, in Liverpool, built something. They bought him, like, youth players here and there. They'd make bargains. They did a lot of things the way that we used to do. It seems like Man United fans are being so impatient. They want us to be like the Chelsea's in the cities. And, And granted, City hasn't change from Pep in a while, but okay, Chelsea changes managers all the time. Okay, like, what do we really want to be this? Don't get me wrong, like, I love bringing in big players, but if it takes selling my soul and just to bring in big players and change managers every other year, I don't really want that. And a lot of people want the club to change at a fundamental level when this isn't what United fans have wanted. I mean, granted, we all want to win. Like, that's why we're on this podcast. Like, we're all here because we all want to win. But the thing is that if we if we don't give any any manager, and I'm not saying that Ollie is the manager to take us there, but if we don't give, like, any manager a specific amount of time at least to try and get his team in, like like we, we are doing right now with Ollie, but the thing is is that we sack Ollie and we're back at square one. And we fi- I feel like the squad has gotten, and don't get me wrong, Polly. Do not nitpick this, all right? <laughs> all right? Probably will. The, the squad is in a better spot as far as it seems like for what Ollie's vision is of the squad. It seems, I mean, I mentioned this a lot. Like, he got rid of Fellaini really quick. Lukaku's a good player by normal standards, and he was like, I don't want Lukaku. Like, so he, he went in here and he made immediate changes, and the Lukaku thing was kind of bold at the time, I feel. And... He's making these decisions whether people like them or not, 
and he he's changing the squad and it and it might just take more time i know that that's really hard to swallow especially off a champions league loss and that sucks don't get me wrong but if we want to be successful i still think giving ollie a chance and actually signing players that you're gonna tell him you're gonna sign like a timo burger like a like a holland like sancho right like just tell him no if you're not going to sign him. Like, quit telling him you're going to get him, and then you just get Cavani and give him the number seven shirt. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Cavani, like, for now. But I just I just want Ollie to have the chance to – and it's hard because people view this as the chance, but I really don't even think that, like – I mean, our squad's still not there. Like, we're still picking up, <laughs> like, like a Gallo and then Cavani. Like, we need – like you, like everybody has said, we need a striker. We need this. We need that. Like we need to get to the point where that team I mean, is there. Okay, hold on. Let me like that, wait. But... Let me nitpick here because oh, I remember geez. my old point. I remember right. my my point. Right. Matt's one hundred percent right. And oh, that oh, and that Ali how? has Ali has done a Check. really good job. <laughs> Ali has done a really good job of identifying <laughs> players who don't fit and play and and holes in the squad. All right, like you said, Fellaini, etc. Lukaku, that was the bold one. You don't fit in. The, you're a good player. You don't fit in what we're trying to do here, so you're out. And he's done a good job of saying we need a we need a center back. It's not we need a center back. It's I want Harry Maguire. It's we need yeah. that guy for all the qualities he he brings. And and people have their druthers about Maguire. But remember, when Mourinho wasn't backed with a center back the year before, his his number one target was Harry Maguire. Yeah. Um, and Pep wanted that. Like Pep wanted Harry Maguire. And Gareth and he's a integral part of Gareth Southgate's team. Like if all these managers want Harry Maguire, there's got to be a reason for that. Um. And then he and he he went. I'm on a, a right back. Then he went. I'm gonna take a project in, in Dan James. He he said I need a new midfielder. Um. And the club said no. He wanted Sean Longstaff. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the right call or not. He he said I want this midfielder so that I could push Pogba forward and get the best out of Pogba. Uh, and the club said no. So we went, all right, I'm going to play Pogba deeper. And we're going to play, you know, Pereira, Lingard, further forward. And that didn't work, so he went, I need Bruno Fernandes. And, and people get annoyed because Bruno Fernandes' agent threw Manchester United out there that first summer, and United, United weren't interested in him. Like, they passed, they were, they had withdrawn their interest a long time ago. But... Ollie went back in November, scouted them again, and said, yeah, that's the guy, you go get him. And then he said... I need a striker. Get me, get me Erling Holland. No, uh, you, you gave him Odini Gallo. So he's looked at the team, and he's identified. You know, we all said at the at the end of the year last year, first eleven, fine. They're brilliant. They can play with anybody. But you know, Matos is getting older, and we need depth. Yeah. Like we can't run. We're gonna run them in the ground. And McTominay, so, we never know what we're gonna get. But like at, by the end of the year, McTominay wasn't even in the first eleven. Yeah. It was it was Matos, Pogba, Bruno, you know, Greenwood, etc. And Solskjaer went, all right. And he looked at the squad and he said, Greenwood's not really a right winger, and he's not there yet. He had a good flash post-lockdown, but then by the end of post-lockdown, teams had figured him out, and he wasn't productive anymore. And he said, I need a right winger. That's the black hole of the squad. Greenwood's not a right winger. Yeah. James isn't it. Wingard's not it. Like, we don't well, have... Well, and Rashford's only a winger because we, like, kind of need him to be. Like, right. He's, he's, so, so, yeah. he, so he said, I need a right winger. I need, I need depth here. I did... And he went to the board, and he goes, I need depth in midfield. Who's the player you want? Uh, Jack Grealish. Here's Donny Van de Beek. Okay, fine. Donny Van de Beek, great player, doesn't fit our system. That's fine. He can grow into it. He's young. Or maybe this is, maybe when certain players leave, et cetera, yeah. like the system gets tweaked to more suit his game. But right now, one of the reasons you're not seeing him play as often as everybody wants him to play is because 
He's not perfect for the deep role, and he is definitely not a like-for-like replacement for Bruno Fernandes at the number 10. Mm-hmm. So then Solskjaer goes, all right, I need a right winger. And the board goes, who do you want? All right, well, Jaden Sancho fits this profile perfectly. And the board and, goes... And he's so good. Like, dude, for Manchester United, who was at one point one of the biggest clubs in England to get, like, the youngest, best, you know, English talent, it makes so much sense. It makes no Sancho sense. Sancho didn't do enough to push the move through, but, but nevertheless, yeah, that's agree. not the point. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. not the point. The point is, he goes, I need a right winger. Get me Jaden Sancho. The board goes, cool. Here's two, here's two right wingers. One of them definitely can't be of use to you until January. The other one probably can't be of use to you until at least January. He's going to need time to develop. So that was the actual hole in the squad. And we didn't fill it. All right. Get me a strike. All right. Gallo sucks. Get me a new striker. All right. Here's a 33 year old. So this is a stopgap move. Uh, I need a second left winger. Get me Sergio Reguilon. Can't work out a deal. Here's the 27-year-old Alex Tellis, who, by the way, has a tendency to not be good defensively. Okay, like, and, you know, fans, when Tellis came in, every fan was trying to, was saying, like, oh, he's going to walk into the 11, and it's like, no, I think he's probably going to be more 1-1-A. I don't think there's going to be first choice, second choice with Shaw, but I think it's going to be more 1-1-A, because, you know, Tellis has his has a lot of deficiencies to his game. He he just can cross the ball really well, and that makes fans go gaga over him. Yeah, He's not that great. If he's not crossing the ball, he doesn't pass forwards. And defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired, and we're seeing that now. So, like, Solskjaer identified a bunch of holes in the squad and went to the board and said, here's how I want to fill them, and they didn't give him the tools that he needed to fill it. So every single game now, he is trying to figure out how do I hide this black hole at right wing there's no permanent solution and everything's a makeshift solution and why are things makeshift solutions because if they were actually good solutions they'd be permanent well, so that that's kind of how it I, I mean it wasn't necessarily this way with Jose Mourinho and Louis van Gaal as well but because I kind of associate those more those years kind of like what Matt was saying is us trying to be you know quick stopgap Chelsea but we, we, these things are necessary in squad building, like stopgap players and, you know, yeah. someone who can come in and give you, you know, one or two really good seasons. Those things happen when you're building a team, but we're not at the point yet where we are challenging for a title. Or and where, where we, we can are. be okay with those stopgap players just yeah. being stopgap players. Or where we even know what our best 11 is week in and week out. And the pressure is obviously on Ollie to figure that out, but we have to you know, fucking let him. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah, and, I agree. And my, my biggest concern with this team is the defense. Because, like, yesterday, because last year, they were, for all the flaws the defense had, they were third best defense in the league by both goals conceded and expected goals and shots. And all Every metric had them as third best. They were a very organized side. This year, there have been so many games where they look like they've never played with each other. And it's like, you're the part of the team that, Ha- like, you know, there hasn't been any changes like that. And like I was just saying, like, everybody, it's funny how everyone went gaga over the signing of Tellez. Like, when the Reguilon deal fell, fell apart, they're like, oh, we have to get Tellez. This guy's incredible. Look at his numbers. It, you know, it's not a coincidence that we actually fixed and shored up the defense in October, and then Luke Shaw got hurt, and now we're back to, you know, oh, we're conceding goals here and there. Uh, and it's not a coincidence that Tellez seems, you know, has developed this habit of leaving a man open every game at least once and making him pay for it. Like, 
I, I think Shaw's not going to have a problem to walk back into this squad, but like it is concerning that at times the defense looks like they haven't played with each other. That's that's my concern. Like everything else, I can I can understand because you know Pogba had COVID and it's taking him a while to get back into things. Uh, Bruno Fernandez hasn't been on it. He's been on a tear this year, but he also hasn't had two good games in a row. Um, and his numbers. Dude's also got to be tired. Yeah. Being real. He's got to be tired. Got to give him a break. And it's funny because like his numbers are just so much better when Pogba's on the field versus when he's not. Like, which is why when Colin said, "Oh, he he snapped into gear in the second half yesterday," well, guess who came out on the field? Well, I bet mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for him to snap into gear when Pogba can actually get him the ball as opposed and, to Mane and Matic. Wait, are you saying having the two best midfielders on our team on the field at the same time is a good thing? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Scott was just getting in the way of Paul, dude, so many times, like, like, he was kind of like, he just, he was a lot closer to Paul than he ever needed to be, and I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of been positionally hold, holding, holding Pogba back. Scott McTominay's position. Yeah, yeah, and what I mean is Pogba can't trust his partner, and I feel like ever since United, since he's played at United, he's never really had, like, a point in time. Well, a solid point in time where we could say, like, yeah, he could trust his partner. Now with Bruno, you kind of can, but he's still not playing alongside him. So he, Pogba still has to, like, overcompensate because I'm sure the dude knows I'm better than this guy. I'm quicker than this guy. Like, he can do certain things. And, for example, like, Scott was just kind of out of his depth, kind of seemed like. And, and I mean, and that, I'm not singling out Scott. I'm just saying that, like, for an example, it just seems like I mean, th- that just goes back to depth, but... I'm not going to tangent on that, but yeah. Yeah. They just run into each other, man. It's tough because, again, like to go back to this right wing thing, everything is just a stopgap, like, or just a makeshift thing. Like, all right, let's play Juan Mata there. And Mata has his games where he's brilliant. And then he has his games where he's just completely ineffective. And then he has, there's a situation where it's like last night. He's also like Cavani, where you can't rely on him. Exactly. So, like, last night when you're like, he's going to have to track back, you can't rely on Mata to do that. Uh, okay, so, like, can we play with a back three or a diamond and, and the split? Well, Rashford and Greenwood just don't play well with split strikers, as split strikers. So, like, that, you keep trying that, but it, it keeps not working. And then there's uh, Dan James. He got a lot out of Dan James in the first half last season. Dan James was, like, a very good player. If you go back and watch the highlights, you're like, ooh, this guy, like, looked really promising. And yeah. he was devoid of confidence. And As Nathan smugs. Yes. <laughs> my smug, son. <laughs> my son. We're at the point now where, like, he, you know, there is a player there. But, right, you know, every time we see him this year, he's not delivering. And it would almost seem crazy to, to go to him. But, like, you got to, you know, week in, week out, like, whatever you did last week probably doesn't work the next week. Usually doesn't work the next week. So, like, there's every single week he has a situation where he needs to figure something else out to do with that right wing spot. And, and like Matt said, like any manager that comes in, you know, if that was a problem in September, it's a, it's obviously going to keep being a problem, being a problem in December because you don't have the ability to sign anyone between. You want to fix the problem, get a director of football, period. Like you get a director of football, the director of football is, is indifferent from the coach. They can stand up to the board and be like, "Hey, you need to get off your ass and get your shit done," instead of just instead of just sitting there or not getting the players or making Ed Woodward and like be the translator is like, "This guy good, we need." And Ed Woodward right. go, like I, okay. like I said, like, like, having, 
<laughs> we, we haven't signed a left winger in five years. We haven't signed a right winger in how long? Well, it depends on you what you count uh, like, James as, but yeah. <laughs> right. But now James is like a left winger, and James is a left winger at Swansea, and now Solskjaer seems to prefer to play him on the left. Okay, then Antonio Valencia. Yeah, basically. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. So, oh man. Uh, just to reel this in a little bit before we go to break. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, it's been everywhere today. <laughs> so we're into the Europa League now. We've got City of the Weekend. We're going to preview that in part two. January, we don't really expect a, a, you know, much of a transfer window because of the lack of revenue. What is the mark now for this season? I mean, I mean obviously, I don't think we had the expectation that Ollie would win the Champions League this season. So it's kind of hard to say that everything is, you know, shot to shit now that we're out and we're not. I going think to be we kind of predicted season. where we would go. But, I think we guessed maybe we get out of group. Yeah, so, but, I mean, like... It sucks, but, I mean... But, like, objectives now for the season, like, signs of progress from Ollie, uh, like, what what do we think that entails? Because, I mean, our league form has significantly improved, albeit we've had some really shaky comeback wins that got us here, but, you know, we're finding momentum in the league, and we have the potential to continue that. We're in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. FA Cup starts in January. What is everyone's, you know basement expectation for the rest of the season so not to be that guy who like plugs his twitter account but i just actually tweeted this at nathan is red um i'm so jealous of inter milan that they don't have to go to the europa league they suck so bad that they're like oh sick all we have to worry about now is syria and we're in second place and we can focus on the league either still are like United fans are still like, oh, Antonio Conte, like, look at what he's doing with that team. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, man, no, Manchester no, United no, South, no, no, no. Manchester United South is in second place in the Serie A right now, and they don't have to go through the meat <laughs> Manchester that is the United South. Like, when when I'm saying that we need to tank this motherfucker, like, do not continue on in this tournament. At this point, do the exact same thing that Jose Mourinho did, but opposite, where it's all right, focus is on the league. At this point, I, because the way the games that are going to happen this season, we already knew was condensed and it was jacked up and it was not going to be a good time for anybody, especially with us who have shaky squad depth. Like, yeah, we have bodies, but are they bodies you want in the game? God, um, the schedule's going to be so much worse, dude. Yeah. Uh, by the way, cup competition coming up pretty oh, soon. Man. So at this point, limit the football and maybe then you have a chance of if the season ends in a normal fashion, like they're trying to get it to, then we will have a preseason to get our bo- get the players' bodies right. So, no, because they're gonna play. They're gonna play in the Euro. Yeah, there's gonna be the Euro, <laughs> and also Copa America. As <laughs> as good as you possibly could with the yeah. Euros coming up. So it'll be basically like if this year happened properly. But at the end of the day, like they have got to limit the amount of wear and tear that they're taking because right now this is pretty brutal and it's uh, it's obviously affecting the way Solskjaer even wants to play because of how many games that they're playing and how quickly they're coming. I, honestly, I don't see how there's really any benefit of us finishing in the semifinals of the Europa League when we can focus all of our energies on securing a top-four finish. God forbid, maybe because we're not playing a game every three days, maybe we go on a run in the spring and we challenge somebody because nobody has you know, separated themselves from the pack right now. It's very mm-hmm. condensed yeah. in the top ten. They're, they're, I, 
I'm not going to say that we have a real shot at winning the title, but there is an outside shot that we could sneak something out. God forbid we sign somebody in the January window that helps us out a little bit. Or maybe Alex Tellez figures out how to not leave somebody on the backside wide open. We might win a couple more games, and then we got a real shot of, at the very least, we could finish top four this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just need to put ourselves in a position to do so. So as far as I'm concerned, the only way that this season is a success is if we match what we did last year which was qualify for the Champions League. So what's the best route to do it? I'm not the manager. I don't have to worry about that, but I don't think we should be in the Europa Like, get out of the Europa League. Yeah, play, I play agree. A, run the U23 team out like you did in Kazakhstan. Get us the hell out of the tournament. And I know that's like that's like anti-sport, like, like because, you know, you want to win every game that you play, and, like, that's great in a... Uh, yeah, but FIFA doesn't utopian, care about that shit. <laughs> yeah, in a utopian society, sure, go for it. But like right now, this is like the COVID, a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, it's let's limit the miles up. on the legs. I agree, except a, that and a trophy. Because to be honest, usually it's our first half of the season where and and games that were just absolute dog shit. And then for some reason, at the end of the season, we can string together wins and we can find a way to win enough and do enough. I'm tired of enough, but I mean. I mean, I'm. I, I agree. I Europa League's pointless now. Like, I care more about the League Cup and the FA Cup. We've won the Europa League once. I'm good. I don't care any. <laughs> I don't care about the Europa League. I don't care about the Super Cup. I don't care about all that shit. Uh, I want. I want a trophy in top four. But I do think that the league is sneaky. And if we actually hit like a good run of form towards the end of the season, I feel like it could. It could be interesting. I won't say we'll win or even if it'll be close, but I feel like we, we could make it interesting. So. See, but this is the thing. Uh-oh. I don't, like, I know we all <laughs> want to mail in the Europa League, but I don't, I just don't see Solskjaer doing that. Oh, no, he's not. This is just what we want. Right, because <laughs> he's big on, oh, we're Manchester United and we will, you know, every competition that we're in, we want to win. That's but a we're fucking also, myth at this point. We're also, <laughs> we're also sitting here we're also sitting here being like well we want him to win a trophy and that's a more a benchmark this year so if if you rule out the league which maybe you shouldn't we're five points back with the game in hand yeah um maybe you shouldn't good about it but yeah. but if you rule it out then why would Solskjaer be like i'm going to take i have three opportunities to win a trophy and i'm going to take one of them and just get rid of it we beat but arsenal also, in the fa cup right but also, well, that's the thing is, I don't think you should use winning. I mean, ultimately, it's about winning trophies, but winning a one-off comp, cup competition, like, I don't think that's the benchmark for success. Like, I don't think that has turned Mikel Arteta into a into a good manager. He's still bad. Like, Louis Van Gaal won the FA Cup and got the sack. Right. Roberto Martinez won the FA Cup, and, like, you didn't see big clubs running to get him. You saw Everton running to get him. Um, you know, like, so it's it's not, I don't think that's the benchmark to, you know, to. Right. We can, I mean, it definitely gives confidence to the squad, though. If you Look, Arsenal have found out, as Arsenal have found out, that the fact that Arsene Wenger was winning FA Cups constantly when, when they were all Wenger out for, you know, what they went three FA Cups in like his last five years. The fact that he was doing that shows, you know, there is something there. But as a one-off, I don't think it shows much. So I, I don't I don't like to put things on 
um, you know, hinge it on winning a trophy or not. Because again, in, in one game, in one semifinal game, things can go right, things can go wrong, in a quarterfinal, etc. I mean, right now, like I said, we're, pay- we're playing at a 72-point pace, which is six points better than last year. We'd like us to be a little bit better than that. Post-Tottenham, we are playing post the 6-1 loss. And, and like, let's throw the first month of the season out because we didn't have a preseason. Um, and we didn't have any new signings other than Van de Beek, who wasn't and playing. The players quite literally look like different players now exactly. than they did. So since then, we're playing at an 87-point pace. Like that, we're not going to sustain. But you'd like us to, to find somewhere in the balance. The problem is expected points. We're playing at a 73 point pace. So like we'd have to, we have to improve the performances. Like, but anybody can look at the last, at the West Ham game specifically and be like, yeah, we got to improve. Um, Southampton, we conceded two goals that were remarkably unlucky and we got what in the end was a fair result because we were the better team. But why do we keep giving up all these goals on set pieces? Why do we keep leaving guys unmarked at the back post? Like these are, Simple just starting things. games, dude. In general, you can wrap it all up. We just got to start a game on the front foot, period. If we do that, I think we do all of those things. Problem is, we can't start a game on the front foot. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that we don't seem to ever come out with the same 11 and the same formation two games yeah. in a row, which has to do with two things. One, we don't have a right winger, so it's always a, a way of how do we hide this this week. Two is we got to keep rotating the team because we have yeah fatigue, we gotta COVID. Yeah. Too many things going on, fatigue and COVID and everything. Yes. And I, I'm really just frustrated with how, how, like, how the management of the soccer world, the football world, has gone under COVID. It's been absolutely horrible. Like, it's been, it's been the players are a product and they are not people. This is stupid. Don't get me wrong. They earn in a, a crazy amount of money that I will never, I will never have. But like, these are people, and I, I don't think they've been treated nearly right a condensed season like i i get why but just like get over yourself dude like you get these are human a condensed people, season like. plus throw an extra game into the international break yeah. like why or just like, why? even like, having why the international play- at all i mean like, right like, bro, even why are they inter- and like guess what after they play a competitive game like why are they playing a friendly Right, and guess There's what? No like, reason for that. At the very least, that's a friendly. Like next year, Concacaf, we're playing three World Cup qualifiers during the break. So, like, bad news for Chelsea because there's no way Christian Pulisic is making it through that unscathed. Oh, bad no. news for the United States because there's no way that Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams are making it through that unscathed. It's all good. We got Gio Reyna, baby. <laughs> yeah, who at that point will be the next hundred million pound Manchester United player? <laughs> um. All right. Should we go to break now, Colin? Yeah, that's what I'm definitely trying to do. Um, <laughs> so that's going to do it for part one. And uh, we'll be back in part two. And we're going to put this loss behind us. And we are going to look ahead to a meeting with Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. So stay tuned. And we are back for part two. So uh, Manchester United's campaign continues this weekend against Manchester City in the first Manchester Derby of the season. And it is also the first Manchester Derby since uh, we had fans. Uh, or Yeah, so it's before COVID. Do we uh, definitely know game, that fans aren't going to be in yet? Uh, they are not. Uh, Manchester okay. has not been cleared for that. But uh, uh, yeah, the last game 
at Old Trafford that had fans in it was that 2-0 win where uh, Scott McTominay, Red Letter Day, oh, uh, man. sealed wow. it uh, with a worldie from Ederson's worldie mistake. He said, uh, hold these. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, going into this one, obviously off the back of the RB Leipzig loss, uh, we're going to be needing a bounce-back performance, and we've almost come to expect it now. And listening to other podcasts, uh, people have come to expect it other than me, that uh, a loss under Ollie almost certainly guarantees a win in the next game under Ollie. Because, yeah, and that's why we're going to lose this weekend. You know, we're finally going to break the trend. But, uh, you know, Manchester City are not the once unstoppable force that they used to be. And uh, I think Ollie proved pretty thoroughly last season that uh, this team under him is capable of uh, you know, getting it done. Uh, we did it three out of four times last year. Obviously, one of those was a 1-0 win in a, you know, EFL Cup semifinal second leg that maybe some people don't count as a win. But, you know, three wins out of four games against Manchester City last season was pretty good. And, uh, you know, we go into this one needing a win. So, thoughts? Nathan? I don't feel anything anymore. I'll tell you what, the way we've defended in our last three games, all competitions, Manchester City is going to eat our goddamn lunch if we play like that. Especially Juan Basaka, who is normally a very trustworthy individual, did not look great against Angelino yesterday. Mm, no. And Alex Tellez, oh boy. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to contextualize that one though. It definitely seemed like we were overcompensating for the Alex Tella's weakness on the left side and spread as you out. say he was also a winger and very yeah. thin on that right-hand side earlier. He's also he hasn't been right and like we know that he's going through a lot of shit at home and he also is one of the few players who has not gotten a rest in any way shape like he gets 10 minutes here and there. He's tired, he's got shit on his mind. He's not right right now, and you hope he can get his form back for this city match. But like Sheffield United, you, you really got to think long and hard about bringing Brandon Williams to the team. Bro, we we had two left backs on the field and still gave up a backside post goal. So I'm not super excited about Riyad Mahrez being on the right wing on Sunday uh, or Saturday, whatever day it is. Time is nothing anymore thanks to COVID. Um, but <laughs> true. I don't, it's just, the things that have gotten us against West Ham, against Leipzig, against Istanbul, those are all things that I think Manchester City are capable of, and, I mean, goal scoring wise, if we don't have Edinson Cavani right now, like, who do I feel confident in to take advantage of what is a pretty weak defense that Manchester City has? Like, it's not feeling it, man. It's just, I, the I, vibes are bad. Yeah. The XV is not good. I will say, though, I think an advantage that we will have for this game that we did not have midweek is uh, the availability Fred. of Fred. Um, maybe. And, you know, not having to rely on a McTominay-Matic pairing in midfield will go a long way. Whether Fred pairs alongside a Pogba... But I think it'll be, I think it'll be or, Fred and... I think Fred and, and Matic are going to play together. Okay. And, and I mean, that is the that is the partnership that worked in uh, February. Yeah, and it, it's worked plenty of times. I do think Paul Pogba comes into the team. 
uh, because based on the last, what, five times now? Six times he's stepped on a football pitch, three of them for France, two of them as, as a substitute in the Champions League, and one against West Ham. He's been terrific in all six. The guy looks like he's got his form back, and it's not just for country. It's for club, too. So I think he comes back in. To be honest, I, I really think you you take a long, hard look at Daniel James and say, maybe we put you up top in a two because he did that last year against City, and he was very good. He was very good against Liverpool in a front two. Uh, in the League Cup, when we played a back three with a front two, we had to sub Greenwood off at halftime, and Dan James came on and changed the game. And I mean, the, the kid probably has some confidence going. He, in his last two appearances for club and country, he scored goals in both of them. So, you know, maybe you you look at how he, he was very good at the Etihad last year, playing up on that right wing and, and tucking in to make a 4-3-3. Like, when defending, he had an assist that game. Like, you take a long, hard look and be like, you're, you're a player that can get back, help cover defensively, and you've got the pace to be able to hit them on the counter. Whereas, you know, that's that's what we're going to need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It seems like it's weird because I want to be worried about this game, but these are the games I'm not as worried about because we usually play better than them. So even if we do lose, we play better, which is still isn't good, but I, I, I'm not going to lie, man. I don't know what I'm going to see this weekend. <laughs> like... Like, we could see, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pogba was starting, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he was on the bench. Like, there's just so many combinations of things that could happen, and I don't care who's on the pitch as long as we start out on the front foot. It's City, gotta start out on the front foot, and that's, you guys took all the good shit to say, so. I mean, the key is, <laughs> the key is to, it's, it's Coach Orion. Um, the only number that should be on your mind is zero for shutout. And do you have any faith in this group of defenders right now? <laughs> Don't even get me started on our defenders. I have all of the things to say, and I've been really trying hard. I haven't, I haven't talked about Harry Maguire once. I think this is the first time I've said his name. But Proud of you, bud. I, I've tried so hard because I'm gonna if I go on a tangent on Harry Maguire, it'll be forever. But yeah, but as opposed to the defense, I will pose this question. Do you think that this is a game where Ollie would consider starting Dean Henderson? Not that De Gea was, you know, obviously at fault for everything that went wrong against Leipzig, but, you know, there is the issue of his health. Uh, there was the miscommunication on the third goal. And Dean Henderson played, you know, pretty well at West Ham. And it it seems like, you know, if, if the problem is De Gea's health, why did he come back and play against Leipzig, you know? So yeah, that's do, you, do you think that I, this I, is part of the equation? Or do apparently you... he wasn't injured, and it was just when he came back into the team against PSG, Solskjaer told him, told Dean, you're going to start on Saturday. Okay. I think it's a move. I mean, that's one of those, like it's like you said, it's not De Gea's fault. We, 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 we started this season saying David De Gea is one calamity away from the bench, and we figured it would take two or three games because we basically saw a calamity every two or three games in the, at the end of last year. And he hasn't made one yet. United's defense has been abysmal, but it hasn't been the goalkeeper. Yeah. And it's, it's very easy to be like, yeah, there was the miscommunication, 
here and there. Um, but they haven't, you know, like United's defense was a calamity at the back against West Ham too. Like the communication wasn't any better. They just like, and it's not like, you know, Dean Henderson didn't go 2017, 18 David De Gea. West Ham just missed. Yeah. I'm worried uh, about the vibes, man. <laughs> it's just not right. It's not, not right, right, but like you know what? Last year, whenever the vibes were bad, they they did pull one out. Yeah, that's very true. But then uh, I but then I thing. say things like that, and then I get overconfident. So like, and then that brings the vibes even lower. That's why you know, I don't. Uh, even, that's why I don't even know, dude. <laughs> I'm pretending what? like I just I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> what what would help the vibes? Martial gets that stupid red card, and I think that completely threw off the way he's started his season. And I, that's I really, the Pogba missing the penalty against Wolves moment of the season. Yeah. So it's like, for one, we need to make sure if, if his thigh, his quad, his hamstring, whatever the hell it was when he it's walked on the pitch. Yeah. If he's right and he plays in this game, I think it'd be really beneficial for him to find the back of the net against Manchester City. I think that that potentially could help him kind of get his head out of his ass. So that would be nice. Well, that would help the XV. If, he if it's his groin, then he's not going to be tabloid, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> He will not be, but uh, if if he, well, he might be getting massages while he's while he's out, the other good thing, the other thing they need is for Marcus Rashford to catch fire. Yeah. If Rashford catches fire, then it eases the pressure on Martial when he comes back. The same way that while Pogba was out, Bruno caught fire, and Pogba came back on the bench, and then as a starter against West Ham with like no fanfare. You know, there there wasn't yeah. talk of hey, we have this 90 million pound player left on the bench. It was like, yeah, because the team's playing well without him. And then he came in, played really well, started against West Ham and played really well again. And the reason that the talk was about him around the Leipzig game was nothing that had to do with Paul Pogba, but because of a guy that Paul Pogba pays. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to put this to you guys uh, because of the Martial injury. If he is not an option on Saturday, do you think playing Pogba in a more advanced role could potentially help with the holdup play when we do try to move the ball forward? Because that seems like it's been a problem, you know, whenever Martial is out. Edinson Cavani helped it out a little bit, but we don't know whether he's going to be available either. So, so potentially, uh, yeah, Pogba, I mean, that's, that's basically yeah. what I was saying is, is you kind of play this diamond slash four, three, three with Bruno as your false nine or as the nine. And then you're able to play Pogba on the left of a midfield three. I mean, a, a midfield three or just the diamond of Matic next to Fred with Pogba on the left is the closest way you're going to replicate what you had with Matic, Pogba and Herrera in 2019. The issue with that is you're moving Bruno Fernandez out of the position that he is thriving in. And are you going to get the best out of Bruno? And you probably won't, but are you, will Bruno be able to be good enough in that different role? Plus can Pogba play in this, you know, are you getting more out of Pogba enough to offset that? So I've been doing a little bit of scouting on this. Um, and I've been playing Paul Pogba at the 10 in FIFA recently. God damn. And man's is killing it, dude. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. What dude. happens when you turn the skill mode harder? Bro, it's been fine. It's been fine, I'm telling you. What's it like but, in Football Manager? Dude, I don't play menus. 
<laughs> you can't do a skill move in football manager. Get out of here. It's trash. Now, you know what's the bigger question, even more important? Is Sheffield United on Thursday, December 17th in the year of our Lord 2020? Is that is that the time that uh, Facundo Palistri makes the 18th? God, I hope so. I need I him. He didn't even make the squad yesterday. I don't know. He didn't even make the squad. Like, we, well, we put scores on bench. He, he had a but Sheffield match. is. He had what? Bad. He had a U23 match that he played in yesterday. So that's yeah, it was no. more important than the Champions League. Right. Well, like, yes. like, he was on the bench for PSG, I think. Or he was definitely on the bench for Istanbul. Yeah, I don't think they had a game that day, though. Right. Okay. That, that would make more sense. I would I would think. I mean, Solskjaer said the Cups. So I would think. Uh, Everton in the League Cup is is the day that he makes the bench. I don't know. Sheffield yeah. kind of blows. <laughs> yeah, but you can't like you cannot lose to Sheffield now. No, no, you can't. But I'm not worried about it because we're we're playing at Bramall Lane. Whatever. You remember the last time we went to Bramall Lane? <laughs> yeah, the atmosphere was rocking. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. You know, for for all 90 minutes, man, the crowd was just down. Manchester United's throats. I mean, they were because yeah. because <laughs> it was in November. <laughs> so yeah, I, the, I don't know. the world history game. Um, all right, I think that is gonna do it for us. Uh, we're not history. gonna we're not gonna predict scores, but um, oh, we're losing four one. Don't right, do it. nah, <laughs> just do that. nah, stop. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna go a boring nil nil. Uh, so we are going scores, okay? <laughs> uh, Dude, if the Manchester <laughs> Derby's nil nil, like I'm better off playing Assassin's Creed. On it's like, get out of here. I'm gonna say two one. You Ooh. won't say which team. The good guys, obviously. Okay, there we go. Up the fucking I'm, Reds. Oh my yeah, God. up the fucking Reds. Right. Um, I'm going to go with. I am going from the game. To a holiday party at my fiance's parents. How did I know you were going to be pre- able to break this down? And- I predict that I will be too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> too drunk to actually interact with her parents, and it's going to be embarrassing for everybody on all. Big, big holiday for Polly this weekend. So a three-no <laughs> loss for Polly on Saturday. <laughs> it's it's uh, dicey, and this is and this has the potential to go really south. <laughs> well, uh, good luck. Well, for Polly's sake, uh, let's hope Polly turns one out. Um, that could also be bad. Because <laughs> then we also might be too drunk. We just need like a, a, a tepid two two. Don't you put right. that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? No, we probably need like a nil. We, we, we probably, probably need like a nil nil where like we, like basically the the match against Chelsea, but like we don't uh, even get that flurry of opportunities in the last five minutes. Like it, it would have to be really somber and boring where I'm just like, God, that sucked, but not like, oh man, we should have won that. How about then a one nil akin to the uh, Marcus Rashford led Louis Van Gaal derby win in 2016? where we get that one goal in the first half, and then it's just kind of dull. Let's see this out from here against a city side that is not potent at all. We care about your relationship. Don't, we don't want you dare say they're not potent now. Remember what happened when I when I poked the bear with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? I didn't say that they weren't potent. I'm saying that in that game, this hypothetical game, they would not be potent. Maybe the what, best, what, what's their maybe the best scenario is like, is, is like a repeat of the West Brom game where like, you know, it's just, it's kind of just bad. 
and we get like a crappy we'll penalty, penalty like in the 60th minute, even though we won a fucking penalty last night when we shouldn't have. Um, Worst outro Because ever. now we're not due for one. <laughs> Expected potency per game. We're going to get X- the mathematicians on that one. XP, yeah. baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt, right around gonna, that three and a half game line last night, and then we got the penalty, and now we're and it was like right in time, and it was like crap. Now we're not due. It is Matt, incredible how it's every three and a half games. Probably should let's talk and call it Okay, now it's the worst outro ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've been calling. I've, I've been, been back to you.